This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. Because life's just better with a book. Welcome to the Hope Book Club with Katrina Rowe and Natasha Moore. It is the crime fiction edition of the Hope Book Club. Natasha has been reading a fun French mystery, The Three Evangelists by Fred Vargas. And for a very long time, she's been wanting to talk about Dorothy Sayers, the Lord Peter Whimsey series, and I have finally relented to get her <laughs> off my back. <laughs> uh, I've been reading The Ruin by Dervla McTiernan. She's a new Irish crime writer who's based in Australia. Its sequel, The Scholar, has only just been released. Plus, we'll discuss the long-term series that have sucked us in. But first, let's hear from The Three Evangelists by Fred Vargas. You shaved off your beard, said Mark. Aren't you doing prehistory anymore? Yeah, I am, said Matthias. Where? In my head. Mark nodded. The information had been accurate. Matthias was indeed down on his luck. What's up with your hands? Matthias looked down at his black nails. I've been working in an engineering shop. They kicked me out. They said I didn't have any feeling for machines. Machines are complicated, especially when they break down. And now? I'm selling Taddy posters in the Chatelet metro station. Any money in that? No. And you? Nothing to say. I used to be a ghostwriter for a publisher. Medieval stuff? 80-page love stories. You have this guy, untrustworthy but good in bed, and this girl, radiant but innocent... In the end, they fall madly in love and it's incredibly boring. The story doesn't say when they split up. Of course not, said Matthias. Did you walk out? Nah, got sacked. Used to change whole sentences in the page proofs because I'm bitter and twisted and because I was so fed up. They noticed. Are you married? Partner? Children? No, nothing like that, said Matthias. The two men drew breath and looked at each other. How old are we now? said Matthias. Thirty-five-ish. We're meant to be grown up by now. Yeah, so I've heard. That's from The Three Evangelists by Fred Vargas. It's a murder mystery set in Paris and tells the story of an opera singer who suddenly finds a tree planted in her backyard overnight. Concerned that somebody may have hidden a dead body in her yard, she employs some men to start digging. Well, they find nothing, but the opera singer herself turns up dead just weeks later. Natasha Moore is here to unpack this mystery. Hi, Natasha. Hi, how are you doing? Do you read much crime fiction? Um, that's a tricky question to answer. So I grew up on Agatha Christie, Ooh. like a lot of Agatha Christie. Um, and I watch quite a few crime shows with my mom usually. Okay. Um, but I don't read a lot of the like contemporary series. Mm. I haven't, I haven't gotten into loads of those. I read kind of the occasional one. Mm. Yeah. That's probably me too. I mean, mm. every now and again, mm. there's one thrown into the mix, usually because book club's chosen it or <laughs> I'm listening to it with my husband. We're trying yeah, to find a compromise sure. book. Um, I mean, I definitely enjoy them. They're really fun. They are fun, aren't They're they? They're very satisfying stories. Yeah, and I always pick the person. Do you? 
<laughs> do you? Often, often I do. It's usually because it's usually the nice like, one, right the one that you wouldn't they, suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's certainly. So I pick Agatha Christie's, and I mean, I, it's rare that I can find one now that I haven't read. Right, but um, you know, she definitely has like a pattern. I don't quite want to say formula, though it is a formula. But she has a pattern, and it's always the least likely person, and you do get expert at figuring out. I feel like I need to confess. I've never read an Agatha Christie. <gasps> Katrina. I know. We need to okay. Okay. We can we can fix this. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm gonna get issued with the challenge at the end of this. All right, well let's get back to the book at hand. Mm. Um, the three evangelists. So tell us about the opera singer Sophia Simeonitis. Mm. What's going on for her when the book opens? Yeah. So the book opens on her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's looking out the window of her lovely Parisian house um, and at her garden that she loves and there's a tree there that was not there <laughs> yesterday. Wow. Which is kind of bizarre. Mysterious. And creepy and very mysterious and why would anyone do that? And no one has told her that they're going to do it. And she, so she's Greek originally, she's very, you know, dramatic and beautiful and um, she was a quite famous opera singer. Um, she, you know, wants to say to her husband, Pierre, she's like, there's a tree in the backyard that wasn't there before. He doesn't even look up from his newspaper because he's just a bit checked out and, you know, used to adore her, but now is very kind of distant and Jaded. invested in his job and, you know, doesn't really talk to his wife and doesn't seem at all disturbed by the fact that there's a tree in the backyard that wasn't there before. <laughs> um, so poor Sophia, she, she's a lovely character actually. Um, Mm. So she makes friends with the young penniless historians who move in next door. So they're kind of the three evangelists of the title. So why are they called evangelists? So they're in no sense evangelists except that their names are Mark, Matthias, so Matthew, and Lucien or Luke. Okay. Um, So they're the apostles. So they move in with um, Mark's uncle. And Mark's uncle, who is a retired or disgraced detective, he is struck by the – he's amused by the fact that their names are essentially Matthew, Mark and Luke, like mm. three gospel writers, evangelists, um, three of the four. And so he calls them that, nicknames that, and some of the other characters start I'm so glad you well. explained because yeah. I had to ask you about yeah. that. It sounds like it's going to be like a Christian and they book. And they don't really like it. They no. kind of find it a bit annoying that, yeah. that they get called St. Luke and St. Mark and St. Matthew. Okay. <laughs> um, but he, it really amuses him, the yeah. old man. So, so uh, one of the reviews I read suggested that this is quite unconventional for a work of crime fiction. Like, for example, that the murder doesn't occur until some way into the Mm. book. Do you agree that it was unconventional? Yeah, well, and I think part of what I really enjoyed about it, I really loved that it's set in Paris. It's very French Mm. um, and I love Paris. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. And also because these three young-ish guys um, are struggling historians. So they're all kind of in their mid-30s. They've done PhDs. They can't get jobs. Um, I can certainly identify with that um, <laughs> as a situation. And their relationship is quite fun. So Mark is a medieval historian. Um, Matthias is a 
like he does prehistoric man and Lucien works on World War One, and they all kind of have this total contempt for each other's fields as not real history <laughs> right. but they are all really into their own work and they also get on really well and are really amusing characters so there's a whole kind of historical academic kind of thread through that um, you know so Lucien who's the World War One guy is always talking about like the eastern front and the western front as in their neighbours on one side of the house and their neighbours on the other, house, the other <laughs> right. side and they move into this like dilapidated falling apart house um, for like very minimal rent because of course they're unemployed and <laughs> you know struggling mm. academics um, and so they kind of end up they're the ones who make friends with Sophia and then she disappears and everyone's like oh she's just run off with a man or something and they're like I just don't know if that's true and so they're the ones who are kind of like pushing to there isn't something right there's something wrong yeah. here and um and they're the ones that she hires to dig up the tree in the first place so she kind of involves them in her problems to mm. start with so yeah it does kind of unfold gradually and you're like is it even going to be a murder mystery though you know you've kind of given that away there Katrina so. <laughs> is that a spoiler sorry well, I thought you know. we were talking about crime fiction there's <laughs> always got to be a body there are other crimes uh, <laughs> no not really <laughs> Not, many. Not in this universe. Well, I suppose there's true. heist films, but then you're on the side of the heisters usually. The, the, yeah, that's true. You know, the, that yeah. heist format is like. So what did you enjoy about this, Natasha? So I loved the French thing. I loved the characters of the academics. It's clever and it's funny um, and a bit quirky. Like there's a lot that's unexpected about it. There was just a lot more going on in terms of the relationships and the depth of character and those kinds of things that you don't always get in more formulaic fiction. Um, yes, or, formulaic or, or crime fiction, fiction in particular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I just really thought it was intriguing and I did not pick the killer at all. Ah, that's good. Like I kind of, you know, you, like there are little breadcrumbs where you're like, I can see that something about this is important yes. and maybe this is where it's leading. But like I didn't, I didn't get there. Oh, well, that's good. I might have to take a look at this one, Natasha. Yeah, well, and I think because she's written a few, this was an she, early Hang on, one. wait, wait, isn't it Fred? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fred Vargas? Fred Vargas is a woman. Oh. Her name's Frederique. Oh. Um, her real name. Um, and her last name is not Vargas. But she's an archaeologist and oh, a historian. Hence the historians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all kind of very realistic and yeah. um, authoritative. And, yeah, like if you if you Google her, if you look at like her picture on Wikipedia, she's like this grumpy-looking woman with a cigarette. Like she looks so French. And, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and she's written quite a few. Like she's won several awards for her crime novels. So I feel like now I've, you know. Dipped a toe in that water. a whole yeah. lot ahead of me that I need to read of hers. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's Natasha Moore from the Centre for Public Christianity. And we've been talking about The Three Evangelists by Fred Vargas. Mrs. Fred Vargas. <laughs> um, if you want to join the conversation, then email us, bookclub at hopemedia.com.au. Now, for some time, Natasha has wanted to review some Dorothy Sayers. She has been reading the Lord Peter Whimsey series and she's been wanting to spread the word. Now, she has finally worn me down. Uh, so today, Natasha, right now is your chance to convince all of us why we should be reading Dorothy Sayers. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. No pressure, yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, I have to confess, um, Natasha, that one of the reasons I haven't wanted to talk about this is that I've never read any Dorothy Sayers. I didn't really want my ignorance on display. <laughs> um, but for those who aren't familiar with her work, tell us a bit more about her. 
Well, Dorothy Sayers is fascinating. So she she did write this series of crime novels and that's kind of what she, to the extent that she's known, what she's probably best known for. But she was also, um, she wrote a lot of essays, uh, theological essays and so on. She was a Christian. Um, she wrote plays. She did translations. She wrote um, like poetry as well. Uh, her essays are kind of sassy and wonderful. Um, and she, so she was one of the first women to get a degree from Oxford. Uh, she was in advertising for a long time. Um, so she was quite involved in like the Guinness ads, you know, the famous Guinness ads mm. with the toucan and stuff. And yes. um, in theory, I don't know if this is true, it's probably apocryphal, but the phrase, um, it, it pays to advertise is credited to her. She's the person who first said that. So So what sort of era was she at her peak? So these books were written in the 20s and 30s. So that's mostly where she... And she kind of um, was quite uh, struggling to make ends meet. She actually secretly had this kid out of wedlock that no one knew about because it would have been kind of a scandal that she'd had this child. And um, so, you know, her actual life was quite difficult um, and this character that she creates, Lord Peter Whimsey, who's the detective in these novels, um, he's a bit of wish fulfillment for her, I think. Like he's just very charming. He's an aristocrat. He's wealthy. Things are kind of, in a lot yeah. of ways, easy for him. He kind of waltzes through life. and It, it sounds like very English. And oh, it is. It, I think I feel like she's more well-known in England because the people I know, like you, like you studied – in the UK, right? Yeah, so I I first read one of these books when I lived in the UK. Right, yeah. and Sheridan Voisey, who's now based in Oxford, he's quoted her as well. So I think it's kind of something that we Aussies are a little bit um, <laughs> ignorant about. Well, and I wonder because uh, certainly at the time that they were written, they were hugely popular. Yeah. And at some point, um, Agatha Christie kind of became, who I love as well, mm. Um the leading the queen female of yes. crime fiction, whereas actually, like Dorothy Sayers was, you know, really well known at the time as well, and I don't know why she kind of dropped completely off the map. Mm. Um, when actually, in some ways, and it, it hurts my heart a little bit to say this, but I, like her books are actually better books than mm. Agatha Christie's. So, wow, you heard it I here know. first. Natasha said it out loud. Um, but this is because you read that Fierce Conversations book, which we talked about last time, and it's making you speak your mind right. fearlessly. Show up. Um, so, look, the, the main character, he's obviously an aristocrat, Lord Peter Whimsey. What are his distinguishing characteristics? So he is the younger son of the uh, who was the Duke of Dende. So he's going he to inherit nothing. That's right. So, I mean, he's wealthy, but he, he doesn't, he isn't burdened with an estate mm. or responsibilities. Mm. Um, he's very charming and attractive to women, though not kind of conventionally handsome. Right. Um, and he served in the First World War and is quite, we would now say he definitely has PTSD. Right. So he suffered from shell shock and he has kind of these occasional breakdowns and, you know, nightmares and stuff as a result mm. of that. Uh, and I think, you know, partly as a result of that trauma and kind of a failed romance and stuff, he uh, is a bit brittle and kind of has this, uh, he affects this tone of like flippancy and he's a little bit based on, um, Dorothy Sayers herself said that he was kind of a cross between Fred Astaire and Bertie Wooster. 
you know, the PG Woodhouse, Jeeves and Worcester. Okay. So it's kind of these comical English books where there's the kind of, um, you know, Sounds a bit like Bernard Cornwall Sharp Richard. to me. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. so Jeeves is the, like, mm. the superbly competent um, valet. Yeah. The manservant. The, um, yeah. And so... Lord Peter Whimsey also has his bunter, who is, who was his sergeant during the war, and now is his valet. And so Lord Peter Whimsey isn't an idiot, but he often comes across as a bit of an idiot, and that's quite useful in his detective work. As yes, well. because people would trust him because they think he's mm. an idiot. Um, so, what kinds of mysteries does he solve? Are they? Are we talking murder mysteries, or is it more yes. minor things? Yes, okay. it's almost always murder. Um, and it's sort of accidental. So he kind of becomes involved in these things. Mm. People ask him or he's in some way related to people. So he's kind of, you know, after the war um, drifting a bit and needs something to do, which, of course, he's a gentleman of leisure. He doesn't have to do anything, um, but he needs something to occupy him. And he kind of gets drawn into these um, mysteries and he has a real talent for them. Um, but part of what's so interesting about... Uh, these stories is how ambivalent he feels about that, especially at first and, you know, as the series progresses, um, you see him kind of settle into that role. But he kind of, um, you know, he gets very, he's on the trail of the killer and, you know, he wants to know the truth and he um, cares about justice. But then also, of course, it's the 20s and 30s and there's capital punishment and he ends up, he feels really ambivalent about bringing someone, basically about getting someone hanged Mm -hmm. and he gets partway through a lot of these cases and goes, I wish I hadn't gotten involved because it's so awful. And I think often in crime fiction you just kind of have the, almost the glee, you know, of like, oh, the body count and, you know, and you forget how horrific these real things, I mean, they're not real, but but the reality is, um, whereas he's very deeply affected by that and often, you know, has a bit of a breakdown after solving one of these cases. Mm. So you must really love this because you've wanted to talk about it a lot. What do you (laughs) want everyone to know about it? I think the first time that I picked up one of these novels, I was just really, because I'd been reared on Agatha Christie and I knew that formula really well, um, I was really surprised at how deep the characterization went and how many things you could care about, like how many other details and interests there could be in the novels that weren't just the crime, you know, and solving the problem, um, that there's kind of a richness to this. Um, because she's, you know, she writes really well and her characters are really um, amusing and interesting and you care about them and not that you don't care about Poirot, but you kind of don't care about Poirot that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's there for not a warm purpose. Not warm fuzzy, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I think, you know, it's just delightful to read and, as you say, extremely English. If you like English things, you will love Dorothy Sayers. Yes. Well, you mentioned she was also a real thinker, writing a lot of essays and academic. Does that come out in the writing? Like, is it just light and fluffy or does she have these deeper ideas that sort of come through? Definitely. I mean, the writing is kind of – it's very accessible, but mm. it's also, you know, there's a kind of – academic tinge, like an intellectual edge to a lot of it. And some of it involves, so, you know, as the series progresses, there is a love interest um, in Harriet Vane, who is on trial for the murder of her lover. Um, And Peter Whimsey kind of comes to her defence because he's convinced that she hasn't done it. Um, And he also falls in love with her. Um, And 
there's one of the most famous novels of the series, which is called Gordy Knight. It's actually set at um, an Oxford women's college. So I think it's based on Somerville, which is where Dorothy Sayers went mm. to university at Oxford. Um, and so it's this kind of academic world and it's very fun. Yeah, that's the first one I read, actually. Well, that's what I was going to say. If we were going to pick mm. up one of the novels from this series, which one would be a good one to start with? So Gordy Knight is really enjoyable. Um, it's not as much a murder mystery, without giving spoilers. Um, I think that there's nothing wrong with starting at the beginning of the series with Whose Body is the name of the Whose Body question mark, name of the first book. Um one of the, like, probably the most acclaimed one is called The Nine Tailors. So it's talked about a lot. It's not my favourite, though. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Well, we've got three choices there. We've got Gordy Knight, Whose Body, or The Nine Tailors. That's right. Plenty to go off. Thank or you. Or any of them. Or any of them. <laughs> Read her. <laughs> okay. You've convinced me. I'll have to pick one up. Yes. Um now, because detective and crime novels often run in series, I thought we could both share a series that we've enjoyed. So I will start, Natasha, mm. with the number one ladies' detective agency series ah, yes. by Alexander McCall Smith. Have you read any of these? I have not. Okay. But many, many people love these books and yeah. have told me that I would like them. They're and I've just fun. never got there. Yeah. So the main character is Precious Ramotswe. She has um, a assistant, Grace McCall. Tsutsi, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her surname. It's set in Botswana. Oh, Botswana, that's right. Botswana, yeah. yeah. And I love my country. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and Precious is just this delightful character. And yeah. what I was recommended them by a friend of mine who grew up in Kenya. And he said, this just shows you the African way of thinking, you know, which oh, is really? really fun. And I, I must say, I enjoyed that aspect of it. But is the writer African? No, he's actually he's well, Scottish, he, isn't he? He was born in Scotland, but he grew up in Africa. Okay. Maybe Rhodesia, I'm not sure. Some, mm-hmm. well, I don't think it was Botswana. Mm-hmm. But he has a, a very deep love of Africa and a very strong understanding of the culture. He spent a lot of time in Botswana. Um, what I love about it is that there's a natural sense of justice. So uh, Mara Motswe uh, does not believe in punishment, she believes in restorative justice. Oh, so she will make things right. And it got me thinking a lot about things like the role of punishment and even how I deal with my children. And her concept is, you know, that you the person who's done wrong has to put it right in whatever way they can. But it's not so much to punish them, it's just to restore what has been taken. But, I mean, so it's a detective agency are yes. they, so is this not murder? They don't no. do murder. Okay, no. after you saying that everything is murder. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty much never murder, actually. Okay, because you can't do restorative justice in the same way if it's murder. No, right? not so much. Like, so, you need to go to jail. Yeah, it's there's a lot of small problems that she solves for people. Okay. While she actually has an agency, uh, there's a similar sense of just actually getting involved in people's lives and then people asking for help. And her, you know, helping in whatever way she can. And what I love about her investigation is she just takes the upfront approach. She just asks the question, well, did you do this? You know? <laughs> and, and, yeah, her approach is adorable. Now, I wanted to tie that in as well in that there's a Scottish version of this, oh. um, which is the Sunday Philosophy Club series, which is also by Alexander McCall Smith. But in this case, the Scottish lady is a philosopher and uh, reviews uh, – 
journal called The Review of Applied Ethics. And again, she solves mysteries. But again, it's more people coming like to her for existential help. Existential mysteries? Sometimes. Like, what's <laughs> no. going on in my life? Uh, no, it's more like, like crime with, as well. No, it's more like moral dilemmas. Okay. And I think that, for example, this painting may be a fake. You know, oh, right. yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. little things. And she uses philosophy and she uses her knowledge <laughs> of people to help others. Uh, not for pay, but just because she... You know, the moral dilemma, the moral imperative of, of helping those, particularly those in proximity. So are these kind of deep or fluffy or both? So they're both, definitely oh, both. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about his writing. Now, I must say he can be a little undisciplined at times. Alexander <laughs> McCall Smith, he kind of gets drawn into his own little aside sometimes. <laughs> uh, but he's a very, very well-educated person, yet he writes in a way that's usually easy to understand. I must admit I do occasionally need a dictionary. <laughs> Uh, but particularly with the number one ladies detective agency series, it's fun, it's life affirming, it's joyous, um, and you know he doesn't stop writing them. <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> so yeah, I think I stopped at about ten books. Okay, maybe I should try. Yeah. What's your fave series? <laughs> oh, I don't know about favorite. Okay, one, one you couldn't put I've... down. Oh, plenty. I mean, one that's quite topical right now though I read it a while ago, Mm. would be the Game of Thrones books. Oh, yeah, my husband's read those. Which I did finally pick up. I mean, they're a bit daunting, right? They're a bit massive. Yeah. Um, But got very into. Obviously felt betrayed at various points throughout because if you know anything about Game of Thrones, you know that what George R.R. Martin does is he Mm. kills off main characters. I know. Sometimes the one you think is the main character he kills them off at fairly regular intervals, which is just very jolting as a reader because usually you know, you know, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but you know what kind of story this is, who it's about, where it's going broadly. And Martin is a bit like, no, 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 no. Um, so there were points where I got a bit disillusioned, but mm. it was very compelling. Okay. So are you waiting for a book to come out? Well, I was waiting. <laughs> right for a while you've given up um, but you know I, f- I read these books like five six no longer six or seven years ago I think yeah my husband um, read them a long time ago and too. so and the next one's still not out and now the tv series which it's ahead I don't of the book watch, isn't it but I you know vaguely follow and talk to people about because I want to know what happens and you know the book isn't forthcoming and so I've given and now I'm a bit like oh well I just don't think I could reinvest again it's been too long and I mean it's been notoriously long right there are all those memes that go around which is Mm. like you know George R.R. Martin every time someone asks me when the next book is coming out I kill another Stark (laughs) (laughs) which is you know one of the main families in it so you know everyone is frustrated that these books are not out Oh, I hope he doesn't die before he finishes it. <laughs> no. That's all I can say. Um, well, I have also got a murder mystery. Mm. Um, it's called The Ruin by Dervla McTiernan. Okay. Oh. So she is an Irish writer but who lives in Australia now. So oh, I right. think she moved to Perth a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and decided this was the moment, you know, to really become a writer. It features this detective, Cormac Riley. He's just relocated from Dublin to Galway. Very Irish name. Yep, Mm -hmm. for a relationship. Um, Because he's new, he's kind of being sidelined by his supervisor. Even though he was a big shot detective in Dublin, he's been given a bunch of cold cases that, you know, he thinks he's got no chance of solving. However, one of them happens to be 
a drug overdose of a single mother uh, that he investigated 20 years before when he was brand new in the force. And there were two children affected by that. So one was a 15-year-old girl called Maud, and then there was her younger brother, Jack, who at the time was like four years old. And he's never forgotten them because these poor kids were so neglected and they were living in filth and squalor. And now those kids have grown up and one of them, Jack, who was the little boy, has apparently committed suicide, like Mm. just now. But the suicide seems very out of character. Uh, So there's this question of are those two sort of deaths or murders possibly connected in some way? Because this is a novel, they definitely are. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, But why doesn't anyone on the Galway Police Force want to dig a bit further into Jack's death? So, yeah, Cormac Rowley is the man to find out. So did you like it? Oh, I did like it, yes. Okay. we I audio booked it with my husband. Uh-huh. The writings, Irish accent? Yeah, look, it's interesting because one of the characters has moved to Australia and become an Australian. Oh. And so the actor had to do the Irish accents but also an Australian accent. Well, but you moved and to Australia from Ireland. You don't take on an Australian it's accent. It's been 20 years. Oh, still. Yeah. No. So she has a bit of an Aussie okay. accent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's She gets it right most of the time except the A's. She can't get our A's right. There are a lot of A's in yeah. a lot of words. Like, yeah, <laughs> like she still be... has more of an at sound when we would have an R okay. sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's a great performance. It's really interesting. Like oh. we listened to it on a drive and we were like, let's just keep driving. Let's not stop. We don't have any breaks. <laughs> Because, you know, we don't want to stop the story. Oh, cool. That's what you want. Mm. Um, and did you pick the killer? Oh, I must say I did have my suspicions at some point. Again, it was like, mm, mm, it's that nice thing. guy. But you no, have a I lot didn't. of suspicions. Right? Yeah, no, I suppose I didn't pick it until about two-thirds through and then I started to get the sense okay. of who it was. Um, but I must say I really enjoyed the Irish setting. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's Ireland because it's so dark and gloomy, right? Yes. Does it work for the murder mystery? Absolutely, because Galway is a place that rains all the time. Mm. It's a university town, so there's lots of things happening in that town. Um, But one of the things that really struck me as an Aussie listening is how present the cold was. So in every scene there was always (laughs) Uh like, oh, their feet were getting numb or, you know, they have to go inside to get out of the cold or, Mm. you know, even just the description of what happens when you get in a room and you wait for it to warm up. Um, So, yeah, I thought... She's, this is obviously someone who has really lived in this kind of environment. And someone who's moved to Perth and is looking back on what it's like to be cold all the time. That's probably part of it, yeah. So I recommend it. I thought it was really fun. I think the Riley Cormac character is interesting um, as the sort of main detective guy. And um, I'd be interested to know the next book, actually. Um, I think it's called The Scholar has just recently come out. So I'd recommend reading The Ruin first and then I'm keen to have a go at the Scott. Great. I hope you've enjoyed the crime fiction edition of the Hope Book Club. In this episode, we reviewed The Three Evangelists by Fred Vargas, uh, Dorothy Sayers, Lord Peter Wimsey's series, and The Ruin by Dervla McTiernan. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Just email us at bookclub at hopemedia.com.au. And, of course, thanks for listening to The Hope Book Club because life's just better with a book. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.